Thanks, guys, for your service. Thanks for leading us in worship, in song. Hey, good morning, Chatham Church. My name is Jeff Morris. I am filling in for Jaime, who's filling in for Alex, who's on sabbatical. And uh, Jaime is over at the other facility, North Chatham. So it's my privilege to be with you guys this morning. It's been a while. Um, I was actually telling Art a little bit ago, the last time I spoke with you guys, none of y'all were here, it was uh, covid so it was me, a bunch of empty chairs, Michelle, and a camera, and it was really weird, you know, because I like to see faces, so it was kind of strange doing that. So it's good to be back with you guys. Um, we're we're kind of talking about, right, we're going to be in the book of James, starting the book of James. Y'all, you have been through a couple series, or a couple of sermons already on integrating our faith with our life, Right? Integrating faith and life together, what that looks like. So we're going to continue that today. We're going to be in James chapter 3. So again, happy Father's Day. Um, I, you know, my dad is a pastor, or was a pastor, and uh, retired. And this is going to be a kind of a strange Father Day for me because my dad's going through Alzheimer's. He's on, kind of on the back end of it. So he won't even know what's going on today. Um, but we're going to celebrate it anyway. But it's, it's, a, little, it's a little strange. But my, being, being a son of a pastor, um, you guys uh, are doing a great service for Alex and his family. And uh, I would commend you for that, for giving him the chance to take a sabbatical. Um, my dad never was able to do that and uh, never to com- able to completely unplug, you know. And uh, so I would just commend you guys as a body and as a family of taking care of your pastors. It's, it's a wonderful gift to him. So thank you for that. Just on behalf of Alex and his family, he doesn't know I'm saying that. It just, uh, you know, just growing up as a, as a son of a pastor, it was kind of weird sometimes and kind of hard because he was always plugged in uh, out of necessity uh, to take care of the flock that he'd been called to take care of. So again, just I'm for doing that for, for the pastors here. So um, James chapter 3. I'm not, a, I'm not very good at PowerPoint. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you'll have to kind of bear with me today, uh, and I'm going to try to make this thing work if I do it right. Am I hitting this button right? I'm not very technical either. It's on, but maybe I'm not hitting the right button. Hey, there it was. I was hitting the wrong button. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm not very good at PowerPoint, and I, so I didn't do the, the whole passage Uh, But I'm going to read it, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. We're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, And and I'll read it, and then we'll we'll go through it piece by piece, and so we'll have it on the the screen here. But over the last few weeks, right, in James 1 and 2, you guys have talked about the, the act of trials, what trials do for us going through life. It builds maturity in us, right? And then you talked about uh, being judgmental and, and showing favoritism to people, right? And then you've also talked about integrating faith and works and what that looks like. Not just having faith and not just having actions and works, but how those integrate together. And this chapter today, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, it, kind of that same thing, what faith is kind of practically looking like. But we're going to talk about an area of our life that is, involves speech and what that looks like, specifically the tongue. So 
If you have your Bibles, follow along. If not, we'll, we'll just listen to me, as hard as that may be. Uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all struggle or stumble in many ways. Anyone who has never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water or salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this letter. We thank you for your word that gives us direction in how we should live our life, not just ourselves, but among our brothers and sisters, among the greater community and in, in the world. God, I pray that you would help us today see the power of words, the power of speech, both negative and for good. I pray that you would give us hope as we walk through life as we walk through life together and as we integrate our faith, give us hope that we can mature. And even though we fail, we can do better. And it's with the help of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to live inside of us, to give us direction. And it's through Scripture, reading and studying and understanding, and it's through prayer for guidance. God, I pray that you would help us see that today. Lord, I I just pray that you would take the words that come out of my mouth, the things that I've prepared to say, and I pray that they would be a blessing to those who hear it. May it encourage them. May you encourage our hearts today as we, as we work together and work through this together. And God, you know me, you know my heart, and I am intuitively wicked because that's my bent I am very selfish. I want to take care of myself. I want to protect myself. God, I pray that you would help me to be able to move past that and to, to encourage my brothers and sisters. Help them to see the goodness of God, the goodness of you, the great gift that the Holy Spirit is, who can help us, mere humans, 
become more mature in our walk with you. Bless our time together, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the tongue. I was thinking about that a lot this week, just as I was studying through it and uh, thinking about the power of words and what they can do. I mean, words, our speech can do so much, right? Because we're, we're taught, called as believers to tell others about who Christ is and the goodness of who God is. But we also struggle, right, because we are self-preservationists. We want to be right. It's that struggle of being right and, 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 and the struggle of trying to uh, make sure we're not the ones losing in this battle. So this tongue that James talks about here, he wants us to see that we, it will be a struggle. That it's, it will be a constant struggle. Because if you, as we read through those verses, we see that it's, he even says, no human being can tame the tongue. And we'll get to that. But just know, okay, as we walk through this, just know we as believers are given the gift of the Holy Spirit who helps us walk through this, who helps us in our life, who can help us mature as believers. So keep that in the back of your mind as we walk through, because some of this stuff pretty, is pretty intense. And I'm going to use quite a few personal uh, examples today because I'm a failure. <laughs> you know, I mean, I fail every day. And I just want to give you encouragement that it doesn't matter. We, can, we through the gift of the Holy Spirit, through the forgiveness of Christ, through what Christ done for us on the cross, we have forgiveness and we can keep moving and we can mature. So there's hope in that. So let's look at verse 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's verse 1 there. Now, as soon as I read this and I was like, thanks a lot. Y'all give me this text the first day that I'm going to be back in two years or whatever. Because this verse really scares me. I mean, I'm familiar with this text. I've read it, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times over the years, my whole life. And so this, this has always been something of a fear of mine. Because uh, my job, I'm, I'm a sales rep, okay? So I have the gift of gab. You know, and, and I can say things that are flippant. And I can say things that are dead wrong. I try not to lie, but, you know, sales rep. I try not to, <laughs> I try not to say anything that's going to cause someone purposely to fall. But this thing that says you're judged more strictly as a teacher. And so as I stand up to you in front of you today, I'm fearful. Because I don't want anything that I say today to cause you to fall, to cause you to stumble. So, just know that's where I am. But in the book of James, okay, so this book, we call it a book because it's a book of the Bible, but it's a letter, okay, back in the day when James wrote this. This was going to a group of people who had been dispersed, right? So the Christians, as the church formed, they suffered persecution and they dispersed to get away from the persecution. So you would have little pockets of Christianity all over this area. 
And so James would write a letter, or Paul would write a letter, Peter, John. These letters would go to a church, and then they would, or group, they would pass it on to others and others and others. And so it was read by folks in all these little pockets. And when I say churches, new form churches, there may be six people. There may be four people. There may be 10 or 12. They're meeting in houses. They didn't have the synagogues. They didn't have the, the buildings. So this was an encouragement to all the folks who had been dispersed. That's what these letters, these epistles were for. And so as James has, gone, has, has written this, and if you've gone through verse chapters 1 and 2 talking about the different things, the trials, understanding faith and works, understanding what favoritism does, and the devastation of favoritism versus treating everyone the same, he's encouraging the church. He's encouraging these little pockets of people. So this first two verses here, this first verse, when you, when you have small groups of people, sometimes there's, a, right, there's, there's this battle for power. They're battle for, well, maybe I should be teaching I don't like the way you talk. Or, you know, you're not so good. You know, you're not better than all of us. You're up here teaching. You're no better than us. Um, Suzanne and I spent several years overseas in uh, doing church planting and working with small groups of new believers. And this is a real struggle. <laughs> this happens. Uh, we, 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 we saw it where we were, that as folks began to get together. Why should he be teaching? I'm just as good as he is. So this is a real warning to these small pockets of people, uh, this first verse. So it's not a, when you first read that, you might say, why did he put that in there? Well, that's what that's for. But then he's going to go on, right, and he's going to talk about the power, why you should be worried, or why you are judged more strictly. As a teacher. So the second verse there is we stumble, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. What that word means there is really mature. Not perfect and never sin, not like Jesus, but that person who doesn't is is mature, right? Able to keep their whole body in check. Now, if again, if I was good at PowerPoint, I would have circled whole body. Circle that on your page, write it down, remember it, whatever you want to do, whole body. Because the whole body is going to come up more than once. Actually, I think about three times, and we're going to talk about it, the whole body, the whole forest, all that. But when we become mature, as we are maturing, we will learn that we'll be able to keep our whole body in check by controlling our words. Let's move to verses 3 through 6. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by those strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is set on fire 
by hell. Tough way to end that. Uh, I meant to go backwards. Sorry. Now I'm, now I'm going all over the place. Here we go. <laughs> Wanted to get back to the beginning there. Keeping the whole body in check. And he uses the example here of a bit in the horse of a mouth. Now, horses are, I think Jerry Seinfeld called them glassy-eyed dinosaurs. When you're sitting on the back of a horse, uh, they use bits, right, bits and bridle to control the horse. And with it, you can control his whole or her, whatever horse you're riding, body. When I was a kid, I was, well, I say a kid, I was a teenager. I was about... uh, I think 15, 14 or 15, and I had been around a few horses, and I kind of ridden a horse, but, you know, just being led, I was on the back, and I wasn't really riding. I was being pulled around. Um, but I went to a camp. I went to a, a camp for a week, and they had horses, and uh, so they had trail rides, and I, man, I, I loved horses. I love westerns, you know, so I'm thinking I'm John Wayne sitting on top of this horse, and so we the, the, the uh, wrangler kind of gives us some instructions, and he starts walking through the woods. And I got this horse, and I got the reins, and I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of holding on to the reins. But I, this horse decided that he was going to go another way. Everybody's going this way, and I'm just kind of like walking along, and all of a sudden he went that way. And I'm holding on to the reins, and I'm looking, and I'm trying to get the horse to go the way I want it to go, but he will not have any of it. And then he literally starts trotting through the woods. We're up in the mountains, so I'm going through the woods. Limbs are hitting me in the face. He tries to knock me off by hitting me against a tree, and I'm trying my best. I lost the reins. They fell, which was even worse, because then he kind of started running galloping through these woods, and I'm just getting beat up by these limbs. Fortunately, I was really, really small, 16-year-old. But I'm just getting beat to death, and all of a sudden, the wrangler comes up, pulls the reins on the horse, and the horse stops. And I was just, you know, I'm 16 years old, and I'm like, this stupid horse just tried to kill me, you know? And the wrangler's like, it's not the horse's fault. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not the horse's fault. He just tried, I couldn't do anything with this stupid horse. He goes, the horse isn't stupid. He said, the horse is doing what's natural to him. And that's if no one is going to control him, he's going to go the way he wants to go. He said, you had to hold on to the reins and pull him back. You, that bit, and he showed me the bit. He goes, this bit's holding his, holding his head. You got to pull back. I said, I did. He goes, you didn't do it hard enough. I mean, now I'm arguing with the guy. You know, I'm 16. So I'm arguing with the guy. I'm like, no, he He did not listen to me. It's a stupid horse. He said, let me show you something. So I got off. He got on. He pulled those reins. He pulled back. The horse started backing up. He pulled it to the right. He actually made the horse, like, go in a circle. And he said, this is what happens when you control that horse. But he said, it's up to you. If you don't control the horse, the horse is going to control you. And it's going to go wherever he wants to go. And I really didn't think much about it. Just thought, I think you're wrong. But I'm 16. But there's a lesson there, right? Now, 
another part of that story is a year later, I went back to that camp as a worker, and I spent the summer working with horses, <laughs> of all things. But I was able to teach kids, right? I was able to teach these other kids, hey, when you pull on, the, you, you've got to hold on those reins. Don't let go of the reins, and the horse will do what you want it to do, but you're going to have to pull hard, and you're, you're, you're going to have to show you're in control of it. And it's the same way with our tongue. And I think it's great that, that James uses his example here of that bit because it's up to us, right? We have to learn. We have to mature in our, in our faith. We have to mature in how we're growing to control the tongue, to control our speech because it's not the tongue's fault, right? It's up to us. It's just a little piece. He talks about the rudders, right? The rudder of a ship, too. Take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by the strong winds, they're steered by a small rudder and goes wherever the pilot wants it to go. That whole ship, right? That whole horse is under control. And our whole body can be controlled by this if we don't take control of it. And then he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great a force is set on fire by a small spark. And we've seen these wildfires in California, right? Just a bolt of lightning or a careless camper can just devastate towns, complete towns. Just wipe them out. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. And it corrupts the whole body. There's that whole again. The whole body. So our words, the things that we choose to say, when we don't integrate our faith, that we say, hey, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, he's changed my life, but he doesn't change our speech, our tongue. And I'm not talking about certain words here, okay? Not that kind of speech. I'm talking about speech that devastates. And all of us have experienced it at some point or another. But truth be told, we've all given the same. Because we sometimes allow our tongues to control everything that goes on in what we do. So the corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Understand, right? If we are not encouraging, if we are not giving words of, of grace, we're giving the opposite. So it's either heavenly or hell. And this is when I'm, and what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about when we are in an argument, <laughs> okay? When we are 
we are in self-preservation mode when we want to be right. We allow those words to overtake what we say we believe. And so we set a whole forest on fire. We let go of the reins intentionally. We just let go of the reins and we just let it fly. And sometimes it's a drive-by. Pot shot. I know, you know, sometimes we can, I call it drive-bys because we just let it go and then we just walk off. Just chaos because we just and everyone's scrambling. As a father, as a dad, I've done it. And it causes chaos because it's the tone of what comes out. Let's move to the next one. James 3, 7, and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, that may seem hopeless for a second there. But if I had, again, do PowerPoint circle, human being. No human being can tame the tongue. So what's our, what's our hope? Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in the Holy Spirit who can help us as we mature. Help us mature through this restless evil that is the tongue. So take courage in that. Remember that. That if we're trying to do this in our own power and our own strength, it's hopeless because no human being can tame the tongue. But if we are giving that to God, if we're giving that to the Holy Spirit to say, help me tame this. Help me pull back on the reins. Help me run that rudder so I can turn this whole ship. The Holy Spirit does that. Is it perfect? Not all the time. But we're growing in maturity. We're integrating our faith with our walk. But when we don't pull back on the reins, we're not integrating, we're separating. And so as we're walking together, as we're walking with brother, as brothers and sisters, as family, if we don't pull back on the reins, we are separating. We're causing division. But when we pull back on the reins, we are able to integrate. We're causing and, and helping unity because we're working in our maturity. Look at verses 9 and 10. So with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Uh, Suzanne and I were talking about this not actually a couple weeks ago before I even knew we were, I was going to be uh, speaking on this. But helping, well, walking with family, walking with brothers and sisters, walking with strangers, coworkers, and seeing them in the image of God. Because it's easy, right, to say, what an idiot. 
made in God's image. <laughs> Doesn't really work very well when you say that after that. But when you're getting ready to say something, do I see them made in God's image? Because they are. Made in God's likeness. So with the same tongue that we praise God, as we sing holy, 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 and then we look at our brother or sister and go stupid, 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 it doesn't work. Because we have let our tongue go. We have let our speech go. We have not bridled it. Now, I was reading this week about this, um, about this part. And it, Sinclair Ferguson, who's a pastor uh, who teaches on stuff, but I was just reading. And he used a term called vocal holiness. Vocal holiness. And uh, the thought behind that is our speech is seasoned with grace and forgiving silence. Forgiving silence. See, when you choose not to say something back, not to join in in a conversation that is not God-honoring, but when you choose not to say something, it, it's a forgiving silence. You've forgiven that person by not saying anything, or should be. Sometimes we can walk away angry when we just didn't say anything because we didn't want to get in a fight, but practicing forgiving silence. But also that idea of our, our, grace is, our, our, our speech is seasoned with grace. We are forgiving people. We are quietly encouraging. That's not to say you never get in an, an argument, but when tones get loud, when voices are raised, when words are coming out towards us, let's not go in self-preservation mode. Let's go into God-honoring mode where we encourage our brother or sister, our wife, our husband, our child, our, our neighbor, our family member with our words of grace. It's okay. Or, I understand where you're coming from. See them in the likeness of God. Because that's how they're created. There's a, there's a verse in Proverbs. If you, the Bible talks a lot about speech. I mean, from beginning to end, talks a lot about speech. And talks a lot of, there's, there's quite a few times where the tongue is mentioned. But particularly in, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Proverbs. And it was written by Solomon and, and a few others. But a lot in Proverbs is about wisdom. But a lot of that is talking about our words and how powerful our words are. And a word rightly spoken and a word that is cutting. And what those two things do. And one of that, it's, it's Proverbs 15 Verse 4, it says this. It says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. So it's either a tree of life or it crushes. And as, you know, this is, like, this is Father's Day. And when I, 
Suzanne and I got married. We just celebrated our 38th anniversary last weekend, but we got married young. We had kids young. <laughs> Thank you. We had kids very young. And the great thing about having kids when you're young is that you're young, you know? And, yay, everything's fun. We have parties and we're blessed. The bad thing about having kids when you're young, you're not real mature sometimes. And as a father um, with kids, two boys, and growing up, you know, literally growing up with our kids, kind of, um, my speech always was not gracious. And this verse crushes a spirit. Man, I can think back on days where I, especially when boys were teenagers, you know, you're, they're trying to become a man and you're trying to keep them a kid and show them their place, and uh, especially when it gets heated. And, and I, I can, man, I can replay all kinds of conversations that I did not handle well. And I can see the effect, or I saw the effect, actually, of what those words, not necessarily the words, but the tone in which they were delivered, uh, crushed. Even if for a brief second, <laughs> crushed the spirit of my boys. And now, Fortunately, they take after their mother, and they're very forgiving. And I had to apologize then, and I mean, I, I keep apologizing. That my oldest is almost 40, and I'm just like, Zach, man, you know, there were times when you were a kid, and I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you. And, and he's like, that was wrong with you. <laughs> he's so forgiving. And then my youngest, Blake, same, you know, and I couldn't handle that well back in 1992. Sorry. You know, there's times when, you know, these words, that, th these tones that we deliver things to our children or to our, our spouse or to our parents or to our brothers and sisters, neighbors, friends, coworkers, they crush the spirit. It's not the tree of life that we're, we're breathing into those around us. And this is the tongue. This is the damage that it can do when not rightly controlled when not rightly disciplined, when not mature. I encourage you, and we got a few more verses to go, but I encourage you here to think about your words, to think about the way you deliver those words. Sometimes it's not the word, it's the tone. Not that you're wrong, but the way you delivered it was completely wrong. Being in control of that, rain, pulling in the reins, going, taking a breath. Maybe I need to sit here and hold this horse still because going forward is probably not the best thing to do right now. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to work in our lives where we are gracious in our speech to one another, to strangers. Because see, you know, sometimes it's, it's easier to be nicer to a stranger than it is to our own family. And I, I've been guilty of that. Like I said, I'm a sales rep. You don't want to get mad at a customer, you know, because then they'll cut you off. You won't get any more business out of them. And so a lot of times we build that up and we go home and pff, unload on family. It's easy to do. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives through it. 
that we can't control, that we can't tame, right? No human being, but the Holy Spirit can. Jesus can. God can. If we allow that in our life. So I encourage you to work towards that. Moving on to the last two verses here. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We have a fig tree. Actually, we got three, I think. Bush. Is it bush or a tree? I, more like a bush. But anyway, they have figs, and I love them. They are so good when they come out. But one thing I don't like is olives. I hate olives. We lived in the Middle East area, and they loved olives, and I tried my best every time. It's like, oh, that's just nasty. So can you imagine if I went out to my fig bush in about August, September, pull one off, and that thing tastes like an olive, I'm not going to be a happy camper. The same thing with, a, with an orange tree. You, you grab an orange, you expect to taste orange, not lemon. Or an apple, you expect to taste apple, not an orange. So when we say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer, I believe in God, I'm a follower of Christ, and that's our tree that we've planted to say that this is who we are, but our fruit does not resemble that of one who follows Christ, it's confusing, very confusing. It doesn't confirm what we say. Talking about neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I was, uh, Suzanne and I were living overseas, and I, I had a chance to go to, uh, uh, to encourage some visitors in a different country. Actually, it was in Moldova. Um, and if you're not familiar with Moldova, it's next to Ukraine, right where all this stuff's going on now. But it's a former Russian state. Little country. So we flew in to Kisinau, which is the capital, which is pretty modern, um, actually really modern, and um, met some people there. Then we got in a car and we drove about an hour and a half, two hours out of town. Not modern. Uh, out in the country, out in this village. So we were, we were meeting with a group there. We're just kind of encouraging them and uh, talking through some stuff and kind of some strategy stuff for church planning. And um, so they put us up in a hotel, a nice little place. And, uh, one thing you learn when you're traveling overseas is don't drink any water except bottled water. Uh, so I had my, my bottled water with me and uh, went back to the hotel, and it was hot. I mean, it was like, I think it was like 102 when we were there. And I'm like, this is like Russia. It's not supposed to be cold here, right? I mean, not supposed to be hot here. I thought it was supposed to be cold all the time, but it was August. So it was like 102, so I was hot and tired and sweaty. Um, so I turned on the shower. When the water came out, it was not clear, a little brown, but I thought, well, you know, nobody's at the hotel. We were the only people there. I'm like, I'll let it run for a little bit. So I let it run and kind of cleared up, and I'm like, well, I'm going to jump in here. So I jump in, and as soon as I get in, the water hits my head, comes down. I smell petroleum. 
That smell, it's just like, yeah, best way to describe it is petroleum. It just was like, oh, overpowering. But I'm like, well, I'm in here now, you know. So showered up, got out. But I told, I remember telling Suzanne, I don't know if I was dirtier when I went in or when I came out of that water because I smelled like gas. The same, and I just say that as an example, as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, as, as brothers and sisters, when someone is in our presence and they're expecting gracious speech, and we produce salt, we produce speech loaded with petroleum, mixed with petroleum, it's very confusing. Even if they're antagonizing us. Even if it's, let's see what Jethro Bodine's going to say today when I do this to him. That's kind of my nickname, by the way. Even if it's antagonistic, what comes out of your mouth? What falls off the boughs of your tree? Is it a gift of forgiveness? Is it a gift of spirit, Holy Spirit, a gift of Jesus, or is it self-preservation? What comes out of your mouth, is it good, clean water of the Holy Spirit, life-giving water, or is it salty water that's going to shrivel up? Because that's what happens. When we when we say that we're following Christ, when we say that we're in a group of believers, when we are with each other, even when we don't receive fresh water, we got to give it back. Because you can pour some salt water into a well, but the clean water is going to overwhelm it. But if you allow that stuff to keep coming in, coming in and coming in, and you do not... Refresh that water with the Holy Spirit. If you don't take com complete control of your horse, of your ship, if you don't put out that fire, the whole thing will burn. And that's not what we're called to, brothers and sisters. We're called to giving life. We're called to Love, even when they don't deserve it. And that's up to us, right? Because Jesus loves us all, regardless of where we are. But even in our minds, if they don't deserve it, you give it anyway, because that's what we're called to. And as we mature in our faith, that will become our go-to. Not that we're perfect, right? We all stumble in many ways, verse 2. But the mature person, the mature man, the mature woman, the mature teenager, the mature child learns to give fresh water, to give fruit that is life-giving. So I encourage you for that, into that. I'm going to leave you with four questions for the week, okay? Things to consider this week. 
What bridle or rudder will you choose to help in times of weakness? So we talked about bridle, right? We talked about the bit and the rudder. So what are some of those things that you can employ? What kind of bits can we put in to help us master, to mature our speech? Well, one is prayer, first and foremost. Pray that the Holy Spirit would help you this week discern when you should be holding your tongue, when you should be reeling it in. The second thing I would say is, is Scripture reading, study, memorization. Words that you can recall quickly in your mind that will help you give words that are trees of life. Proverbs 15.4, okay? Tree of life. I'm going to give you a tree of life. Or am I going to crush your spirit? Those things you can call to memory when you get in tough situations, when you get in weakness, you can recall those things. And a third thing I will encourage you in, gets a little tougher, is accountability. Who in your life is going to call you out? Oh, Jeff, I don't think you should have said that. Jeff, that probably wasn't the best use of the term. Or that probably wasn't the best tone. Your tone was a little out of whack. You kind of overreacted there. So who do you have in your life? A person with skin on. Who can say, hey, uh, we probably should need, we need to talk about that last conversation you had. Or you're relating a story and they'll say, oh, you were in the wrong there. Right? Or who would say, man, that was great. I just want to encourage you, you, that was beautiful what you just said, or the way you handled that. We need that, right? We need encouragement. But we also need somebody who's going to go, check yourself. Accountability is huge. Huge. When we were overseas, you know, there weren't many English speakers. There was a group of us. And accountability was a huge part of what we did. Because when you're in a foreign land, everybody's weird. Actually, you're weird, they're not. But you have to understand that. You have to learn that you're the weirdo, right? That you have strange habits. They do not. That you have a strange culture. They don't. So you need good accountability. So I'd encourage you, find someone who you can be accountable to. That's what brothers and sisters are for. That's what small groups are for. I mean, small groups help us so much. During, you know, you, you should kind of share, hey, how'd your week go? You talk through that stuff, and you might be able to say, you probably didn't handle that right. Let me encourage you. Or, man, you handled that way. I wish I would have done that. Let me tell you what my week was like. So accountability is a big part of, of the Christian life, of the, of the walk, of integrating our faith and our walk together. Accountability. So I'd encourage you in that. The second question, am I practicing vocal holiness both in gracious speech and silence? Vocal holiness. We sang holy, holy, holy. Right? The cutting. Thank you for that. The pruning. Right? So holiness. We are called to holiness. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament it says, be holy as God is holy. 
says it again in the New Testament. And again, that's, no human being can do that. But we can be mature. And we can grow in maturity. Part of that growing, part of the cutting away is, is vocal holiness. Being holy in our speech. Gracious, but also being holy in our silence, right? Because in silence, like I said, we could walk away mad. But if we walk away forgiving that person, choosing not to say something, using the rudder, using the bit, using the reins to hold it back, practicing holy silence because you are forgiving by not saying anything. Try that this week. Think about that this week. I've thought about it a lot since I read it, just that idea of vocal holiness. God, help me to be vocally holy in my interactions with folks. And then the third thing, am I viewing others as human beings made in the image of God? Another good practice. After you say anything about any person, say, made in God's image. I'm terrible at driving because I get angry when I drive. I'm an angry driver. People are idiots. If they would just move out of the way, I'd show them how to do this. Traffic jams, right? Uh, the country we lived in overseas, notoriously bad drivers. Sidewalk is a lane. Can be used at any time, especially when there's a traffic jam. There is no such thing as a shoulder because that's just another lane. Uh, so we, there was this huge bridge that spanned across the river, huge river, and uh, traffic, well, it was like 15 million people in town, so in the city. So you went from five lanes to two to get across this bridge. And rush hour, well, rush hour was from like 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. That's rush hour. So basically, if you get to work, Getting home, you get, we, we would have people fly in. They're like, what time should we fly in? I'm like, fly in at 3 a.m. I will pick you up at 3 a.m. It'll be much easier. It'll be a 45-minute ride. If not, it's going to be five hours. You know, I mean, that's just, that's life over there. So anyway, say all that to say I had to learn, and Suzanne helped me with this. She put a verse on my, my visor talking about seeing other people in God's image. Because, I mean, I would just lose it over there. I mean, I would go insane. I'm like, you people are nuts. And they're looking at me like, you're nuts. Move. Get on the sidewalk and drive, you know. But seeing brothers and sisters, strangers, people were around as made in the image of God helps us to give gracious speech, helps us to be forgiving in silence. And then the last thing, is the fruit of my speech confirming or confusing? Does it confirm what I say my tree is? Or is it confusing by the people who see the fruit that falls or taste the fruit that falls? What's in my well? What are you putting in your well? Is the Holy Spirit coming out or is it salt that shrivels? Is it petroleum-laced? It's not good for anybody. It's not drinkable. 
Not even used for bath water. Shouldn't be. What's in my well? And then what kind of tree am I? What kind of tree are you? And that's a question for consideration. Am I a follower of Christ? And I, I don't know everybody here. You may be. But you may not be. Do I have a tree of identity? Am I a self-preservationist that I'm just here for me? Or am I walking towards maturity in Christ? And if you're not there yet, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to, to find a group, to find some people, these people in the room, <laughs> this church. Plug in and understand what it means to identify as a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ. And if you have decided to follow Christ and you're just beginning that journey or you've been in that journey for a little bit, continue to grow. Continue to dig deep roots. Continue to be fertilized and watered by the word that's spoken and preached here. I would encourage you to plug in and find a group to help you grow, to help you dig your roots deep. And then if you're like me, who's been a follower of Christ for 50 years, don't forget what kind of a tree I am. Don't forget what kind of tree you've identified you are. Because a grapevine can't produce figs. You're either a fig tree or you're a grapevine. You're either an apple tree or you're an orange tree. You can't produce different fruit. It's confusing. It's not confirming. So, those are four things to consider this week. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share with you. Let me pray. And, uh, and then the guys will come back up and lead us some music. Father, I pray that you would just help us as we try to tame our tongue. Help us to find those bits and bridles to use what's been given to us through your word, through the gift of prayer, through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, I, I pray that my brothers and sisters would seek accountability, that they would seek to surround themselves with people who would encourage them and, and, and give them grace, but encourage them when they see the growth, but also steer them in the right direction when they see they're off base or headed in the wrong direction. Help them grab those reins. God, I pray that you would give us courage to seek that out. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to produce the fruit that we say we are and help us to produce fresh water of the Holy Spirit in situations where we want to give salt and we want to give laced water. Help us to give fresh water of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you and pray that you would help us to consider these things as we go through our week. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.